This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. I'm going to talk about, we, our theme for this year is to seek the kingdom of God. Um, uh, Jesus said that in the context of people worrying, people being anxious, people... Uh, worrying about their lives and about their finances and there's a lot of pressure on a lot of people but lots of people are afraid in the world you know there's a, uh, so much of what we see is driven by fear and then Jesus says like hey the the way you get out of that is but first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness uh, righteousness means to be in a right relationship with God to be able to boldly stand before him and uh, and the kingdom of God is is not with things, but the kingdom of God starts in our hearts. It's love, it's righteousness, it's peace, it's joy. It starts in where you are at this morning, where I'm at this morning when we woke up or when you go to bed tonight. Do you have righteousness, peace, and joy in your heart? Uh, because the king, where the king rules, that's where the kingdom comes. And so when you then go to your work tomorrow morning, the kingdom can come there because suddenly you represent the king of the kingdom, the greatest king that has ever lived. And, um, and so uh, when, we, when we talk about the kingdom, it's, it's almost like this uh, concept that a lot of people speak about in the church, but it's a, actually a kingdom family. It's a group of people that come together that don't live for themselves. They don't live just for their own needs. Um, it's great to have fellowship. And we as a church have got so many small groups, just 120 on campus and more than 100 other small groups and our families. And um, those things are all great. But there's one thing that makes the kingdom people and the kingdom of family of God different is firstly that we live for the glory of God. We live for something bigger than ourselves. We live to magnify his name. I used to have a great grandfather. I got his names, Eusias Safas Leroux. You know, the, the French people um, came here to France Hook, and then there was a bit of a fight with some of them, and then half of the Leroux clan stayed here, and some of the Roos stayed here, and the others went over the mountain, started farming there. And, but they came with one goal, and that was to preserve the gospel. They came, fled from, from Europe and said, look, yeah, we, we want to actually create a legacy for generations to come that of a people that would love God and they would be lovers of the truth and lovers of his presence. And so my great-grandfather, whose names I got, uh, he was a bit of an evangelist. So you would like on weekends uh, when he wasn't farming, he would walk around from farm to farm with his some book and, and, and he would preach the gospel. And if you didn't like repent, he would hit you with, the, with the, some book, you know, and, uh, and just say, repent for the kingdom of God is here right now, you know. Um, so it was a bit of a different method that he used. So don't worry, we don't have some book here this, this morning. But the point I'm trying to make is that I, uh, three or four generations later, can walk uh, in the fullness of God because of a legacy that somebody else left. Uh, a legacy and uh, somebody that understood that even whatever work God does in your life, He does it through generations. Isn't He the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Uh, and so some of us need to be a bit more patient because we, especially younger people, it's the entitlement generation. So everyone wants everything and they want it now. But whatever God does in your life, he at least has three generations in mind. 
He works something in you so that even your life can become a platform for other people. And there's a, there's a difference in how we do things and what we look at because we have an eternal perspective. And that changes our lives because yeah, the world says, I want it now. I need to build a kingdom right now. And what you see, that creates success. But God speaks about something much greater. It's significance. It's the ability where even your life can become a seed. I remember being in North Africa a couple of years ago. Um, and we, had, we were meeting up with some pastors from Libya and Liberia and from Northern Africa countries where the persecution is great. And it took us quite a while because we were meeting up with one of the church leaders. And uh, we went to this coffee shop. And um, then when we got to the coffee shop, we got a phone call and said, no, go to the other coffee shop. And then we sat there. And then we got another phone call, go, call, go to the other coffee shop. And we thought, well, the people are a bit confused. Um, they don't know the names of the coffee shop. But it was actually just so that they can check if there's nobody following us or there's secret police. And, um, and so we, we sat there. They just said, wait there. Um, we'll, we'll come to you. And so we waited for four hours um, and we were just sitting there. And I, I will never forget it in my life. The moment when this woman was about 70 years old, I'm not going to mention his name. When he walked into the coffee shop, I knew he walked into the coffee shop. It was quite a big coffee shop. We were sitting right at the back. And because um, I could feel something is different. I could feel the presence of God on his life. And uh, as he walked in, he came s sitting next to us and we started to, to talk and he was speaking about the young people where they gather in stadiums all from 10 to 14 years old under the banner of sport. But all they do is just for three days fast and pray and they pray for the Middle East to have a revival to turn back to God. And, um, and so as this conversation went on, it was, um, I, was, I was quite emotional. I am a bit of an emotional guy, but I was very emotional that day because I, I just felt like I wanted to cry all the time. And I thought, like, you're going to be so much water in one body. But in any case, you know. Um, and so we're sitting there, and I'm very emotional. And the women are saying, and I said, like, hey, how, what can, how can we as the church in the West help you? Um, and then he just looked with a lot of respect, and he said, um, please don't send people from the church in the West to us. You can pray for us, but um, don't come here because your gospel has been diluted and watered down. You've lost the power of the gospel because there's no difference between the world and the church. And I was a bit shocked, you know, I thought like, okay, <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then he started to talk about what he's doing and, um, and about his five friends that already four of them have died a martyr's death for Jesus. And, uh, and I said, okay, okay, so if we can help you, how can we pray for you? Um, and then he used these words that was like, I'll never forget it. I've actually had a couple of dreams and woke up with these, just these words. He says, pray for the church in Egypt and the Middle East that we would embrace our season of martyrdom. And I was thinking like, wow, <laughs> you know, I, I don't think I will pray that prayer for myself, you know, but I was thinking like, Sure, there's a, there's a group of people that understand eternal things. And, um, and six months later, this woman was also um, killed for the gospel. And, um, and it sort of shook me in my, in my foundations because I thought like, okay, what is cultural and what is real Christianity? What, what am, what, how am I different as a Christian and what legacy am I leaving as a person? 
And, um, and I want to read two psalms to us this morning. The first one is Psalm 68. And um, it's, a, it's sort of a call a bit for, for war. You know, it's a call for, uh, for God to arise. You know, and um, whenever you are a bit stuck in your own situation, then it's always good to read the psalms. Because especially somebody like David had this heart after God. But he knew who God was and he trusted God. And so Psalm 68, it says, let God, and I'm going to go down a bit so you can read it yourself. And half of it has disappeared. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Let those also who hate him flee before him as smoke is driven away. So drive them away as wax melts before the fire. So let the wicked perish at the presence of God. But let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yes, let them rejoice exceedingly. And then he sort of describes, he says, he's a father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Now you can read the whole psalm, but it's, it's actually amazing how the psalmists cry out to God and he says like, hey, there's something he understood about who God is. And he says like, let God arise. He says, um, God is strong. God is mighty. And then he talks about the presence of God. And maybe if there's just one thing you and I remember today, that uh, the biggest legacy you can give your children is the presence of God, is to expose them to who God is. The biggest thing you can implant in their lives is to show them who Christ is. You know, there's this saying that we say many times. We say like, hey, parents, the best thing, or first husband, the best thing you can do for your wife is to love God first. The best thing wife you can do for your husband is to love God first. The best thing you can do for your children Ace, is to love your wife first. Because in that, the image of God is presented. But we need to know there's a massive onslaught on the church and things biblical today, and especially on the family. You know, in South Africa, from 2010 to 2019, the marriages have almost half. People that actually commit to each other in marriage. The divorce rate is skyrocketing. And the only reason for that is simply because there's a massive onslaught on the image of God in our nation. It's represented in the family. And every nation, every community, especially in the West, has started to crumble when they started to try to change the family structure. And so the West is in a massive crisis. Don't for one moment think that there's not a chamos, okay? We're in a massive crisis because the family is being tampered with. The family is being trying to be redefined. And I'm going to say it. Just out straight, God created man, male, and female in the image of God. That is God's definition, where it starts, where the family starts. People say, no, be tolerant, things that, no. That is the definition of God. And the reason why I can say it also boldly, it's because it's the only group of people, male and female, coming together that can be part of the creative system of God to procreate, to partner with God in making these children. Do you know what a massive privilege that is? Do you know what a massive challenge that is in the way that we're living? But male and female coming together have this ability to represent something of God to the world and to their children. You know, any other definition of 
Marriage, unfortunately, cannot do that one thing. So let's just talk logically. Let's not talk emotionally. Let's take all our emotions out of the way. Male and female can create, can leave a legacy that God brings and shows the image of God. And so the psalmist fights for this. He says like, hey, in the context of Psalm 68, he says, there's a challenge, he says. He says, let God arise. Let God's presence come into our lives. And more than ever, we cannot play church, church. And that's why it's actually so nice to sit under the tree every week, move around, because church is not a building. Church is not a committee. Church is the people of God that love the presence of God. And they purify themselves so that the power of God can come in their lives and through their lives. And you cannot have the power of God without the presence and pure hearts worshiping Him. And so that's why it's so amazing that even when we're sitting here, this is very spiritual because the presence of God is here. You know, last night there at the camp and the previous night, we had just a couple of hundred students just lying on their faces, just worshiping God. Yeah, right a couple of kilometers further here in the pubs, People are also worshiping. It's a different type of worship. And you have to choose who you're going to worship. You're going to need to choose whose life you're going to walk with because whose presence are you going to walk in? What, what is that worship looking like for you and me? Some people worship. Everyone is a worshiper. Some people worship the car in the car park. Some people worship the house lives. Some people worship the relationships they're in. But we can only worship God because God doesn't take anything from us when we worship. And that's the amazing thing about worship. And this is what he says. He says here in verse 5, this part, he says, Hey, he's a father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Sure. It's, it's, it's an amazing thing. And he it, and it, and it says, God sets the solitary in families. God protects the families. When we do things God's way, wow, it's like his presence in our lives. And so Ace and Inga, when every day when you walk into that home or when you walk out of that home, you consecrate that home and say, God, the most valuable thing that we have as a family is your presence here. Lord, come and speak to us. Come and show yourself to us. And you know what? Children, more and more children, the times when they're the most spiritual is between the age of zero and three. <laughs> That's when people are the most open to spiritual things. Yeah? And so I want to challenge, especially families and maybe people streaming in. Hello. Um, yeah. Just, you know, some people just are staying at home and people are thinking like, yeah, yeah, I can do internet church and all of that stuff. But that's not the presence of God. That's a TV screen. And even if it's sometimes hard and tough, you know, I was joking with one guy. There's one family, you'll probably see them drive in. They're always an hour and 20 minutes late for church. They always come right at the altar call at the end. Now, some people are laughing because they know exactly who they are. But the other day, I just walked to them. I said, now watch if they would drive in here. Then everybody's going to go like, oh, there's that family. Eh? But I said to them, every week, just come. Even if you come an hour and a half late because your biggest fights is always with the children going to church. Hey, Ben, Isel, uh, they've got five children. They've got a whole combi. You know, you can see that combi going like up and down, you know, because they, there's like some doesn't want to go there. But at all costs, expose your children to the presence of God. Because you know what, if you don't do that when they're young, 
when they're going to be old, they're not going to love the presence of God. You don't train them when they're 12 or 14. It's already too late. We see it with the students coming here to Stellenbosch. It's way too late to try and even now with the younger generation, trying to show them the value of the presence of God and the things of God. You must start when they're two and three. Tell them how important it is. Yeah? The Jews had these traditions. They would go up to Jerusalem and then they would sing songs. They would say like, hey, I was glad when they said to me, let's go up to the house of the Lord. And they would sing it over and over, even just to prepare their hearts to go to the house of God because they valued the presence of God. The Jews was also a verbal um, group of people. We are visual and uh, we're very bad at, at communication. So, so for us as, as communities, you know, these things, the whole phones, you know, uh, people don't know how to communicate anymore. You know, the babies come out with the cell phone in their hands. They get born, you know, with these things these days. This is the generation that was born into internet. But you know how destructive this is? Because today, the generation is the most lonely generation. Our young people is the most lonely generation that has ever lived. More suicides more depression than any other generation before japan has just appointed a minister of loneliness because of the suicide rates through COVID that has rocked up so so our community is a bit in a mess <laughs> and more than ever the challenge is like the psalmist is writing he says he is a father of the fatherless so i'm very excited when you see the destruction when you see all that stuff when the people of god begin to do the things god's way sure we're going to see lives changed we're going to see people run to the father of the fatherless and more than ever we have broken families and this is not condemning anyone maybe you come out of a broken family then wow god wants to heal you start today Start today to say, God, I need your presence. And whatever you do, just get into the presence of God. That's where you're going to change, you know. Um, I've, I've, we've, in this church, I had more than almost 20,000 students going through the church in the last um, almost 30 years. It's 30 years since the church started next year. And um, it's always a bit humbling when the students come back and they say to you, oh, no, I can't really remember any sermon you preached, but the one thing that changed my life was the worship and the presence of God, you know? And you think like, okay, you really didn't have anything to do with it, but when you expose people to the presence of God, their lives change. And this is what he says, and he also says this in the next psalm. I want to re read it. You must go and re read these two psalms at home, Psalm 89. It's beautiful, the... the just the heart of, of the singers, because most of them were sung, and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna, definitely going to sing, because then it's going to become a deliverance session this morning, and some of you are going to go home quickly. It says, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known your faithfulness to all generations. He says, like, I'm committed to sing of God's mercies, but I'm committed to speak of the faithfulness of God. You know, they, the Jews actually had this thing, when they would go into the promised land, they would put this massive heap of stones called the memorial stones and whenever they would go through the Jordan they would sit and they would stop and then they would spend hours just telling the children of what happened here at the Jordan or what happened at Jericho so they had such a celebration culture and this is part of where this psalm comes from verse 2 for I, for I have said mercy shall be built up forever your faithfulness you shall establish in the very heavens I've made a covenant with my chosen I've sworn to my servant David your seed I will establish forever and build up your throne to all generations. This is God's word. And the heavens will praise your wonders. 
O Lord, your faithfulness also in the assembly of the saints. For who in the heavens can be compared to the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened to the Lord? God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be held in reverence by all those around him. O Lord, God of hosts, who is mighty like you, O Lord? And maybe you don't see it, but there's two things always. It always talks about the presence of God, and then it talks about the faithfulness of God towards generations. And it's something that the people of God understood, and we've lost that because, you know, we don't communicate anymore. We don't sit around a table and share our hearts anymore. People don't know that. The other day I was sitting there um, at one of, one of the places having lunch, and there were about eight people, young people, sitting around this table, and they were all sitting on their phones. And I timed. It was 45 minutes that they didn't say a word to each other, you know. I wanted to walk up to them and say, like, are you sending WhatsApp to each other? Are you, like, chatting, you know? Are you Instagramming each other? What's, you know? And, um, and it looked like they walked away and they had the most deepest conversations ever, you know. But I was thinking, like, there was 40 other people in this conversation, but you couldn't talk to each other. And, um, and that's the challenge, is to be present with each other, but more than that, to be present with God. And so the writer to the Psalms says this and challenges the people. He says, I will declare your faithfulness to all generations. I want to talk to the parents here that dedicated your children, people that's got young kids. You need to declare who God is. You need to testify. You need to speak of what he's done in your life. Small stuff, big stuff. Maybe you don't have a testimony, then start today. Because every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation, no shadow of turning. Maybe you're just blessed, then testify of God's goodness. But if you lose your song, if you lose the presence of God, you're in trouble. And so many houses, they don't have the presence of God anymore. So many churches today, they sing nice songs, but God doesn't feel welcome. And so we need to fight more than ever through prayer, through consecration, through our worship, to consecrate our lives to God. That's called a holy people. A holy people is a consecrated people, people that are different, the people that value the presence of God. You know, there's um, something beautiful happening, happening in the church, and I want to challenge all the older people. You know, there's a group of second years and first years. They just, they're not waiting for the church to organize anything, but this week they had a, a braai, and then suddenly 90 people pitched. So they braai, and at the end of the braai, they say, okay, who of you here do not know the Lord? Who can we pray for healing? And then just suddenly the presence of God comes. Because they don't switch God off. It's not like now we have a social and on Sunday we're going to be spiritual. And so the most amazing things are happening. People are just worshiping God. People are experiencing God because people are so lonely. And this is what this psalmist says. He says the presence of God brings such peace and such freedom in our lives. And I want to I challenge us and leave us that, with that this morning because maybe you, you are here and you have never experienced the presence of God. You've not put value on who God is. Then today, start today. This is not, we're not playing a little game. We're not switching God off when we drive out of this parking lot. We're saying, God, like the psalmist says, Lord, your faithfulness I will declare to generations to come. I want my children's children to say, wow, my grandfather followed God. He loved God. Uh, he didn't walk around with some book, but he walked around with the word of God. I mean, <laughs> but it's so crazy, you know, and we've, we've lost that. In South Africa, which used to be a Christian country, it's not a Christian country anymore. Almost 80% of the students coming to this campus is Afrikaans speaking 
children are atheists and agnostics. Why? Because the generation has lost the ability to tell the next generation who God is, to bring the presence and the praises of God into their homes. And so that's why church becomes more important. That's why, you know, it's important that you put on that CD. Okay, young people, you don't know what the CD is. Okay, it's a, say a round thing, like a silver thing. You put it into this little hole, and then in your car it goes in, and you press, and it comes out. Okay, you Bluetooth, okay, Bluetooth, you know, Apple Music, all the, put it on, put on worship music in your house. Fill it with the praises of God. Sing new songs to God. Go and read some of the Psalms. It's just beautiful, but they valued the presence of God. They valued going up to the temple of God. They valued going to church. Yeah? And we've, we've, we've lost that because we think church is just another event. But I'm, I'm so excited and I want to invite you. Because what I'm seeing, God is busy doing. God is raising up a generation of worshipers that is worshiping Him in spirit and truth. The other day on the one camp we had... A couple of people, the worship band was long gone, and then the kids were just lying on the grass, just weeping, weeping before God, where God just delivered them. God just showed himself strong for, you know, in those children's lives. And what a privilege we have as the older generation not to become critical, not to say, hey, no, no, just live a balanced life, you know, just like, you know, be a Christian on Sundays and maybe on Wednesdays. This is the time for the older generation to stand up and say, hey, we want to tell you, of what God has done. But we also want to tell you, we back you. <laughs> we want to support you because there's great brokenness. But whenever there's brokenness in a society, that's when God moves. God loves it when there's chaos in your life. And but all he wants is he wants you and me to invite him into that chaos and say, Father, just breathe your presence, breathe your life. Yeah, because you can, this is a word for somebody, you can leave your children's children a great inheritance physically. But are you leaving them a spiritual inheritance? Are you leaving them a legacy? And there's some people that are beginning to ask that question, and, and it's never too late. You know, my grandmother, I want to end with this story. Some of you heard this story. She um, got very sick, and um, she knew that I was a, a pastor, so she would always call me Domini, but please don't call me Domini. Um, and I walked into the, the hospital on her deathbed, and I said, Oma, I know you've been through tough times. and There's great bitterness in your heart, but you need to forgive. You need to forgive Opa for being in adultery, for sleeping with another, a lot of other women in a small town where everybody knew it and all that shame. But Jesus died for that shame. And you know, my Oma said, now she, her heart is too hard. I said, Oma, I'm going to pray for you for healing. She was already like yellow and blue in her face. She was lying in the hospital. So I'm going to pray for you for healing because God still loves you. Even if, you, if you've hardened your heart, but I want to talk to you. And, um, and God healed her supernaturally. The next morning, she walked out of that hospital, Kalidon Hospital, healed. Everybody knew it was a miracle. I went to her the next week again. I said, Omar, you've received healing from Jesus, but... He wants to heal your heart. And Omar just said, no, my heart is too hard. I, how can God forgive somebody like so much shame? And she grew up in church. She was very religious. <laughs> she was there. But she didn't know the presence of God. But that day in the hospital, God's presence came into her life. About four years later, 
Oma was lying in bed. The doctors gave up on her. The cancer came back. And she, was, um, she couldn't speak anymore. So I walked into her room. I said to all the family, I said, could you please just all go out? I want to talk to Oma because I realized there's not a lot of time. She, the, she got a phone call from my mom and said, you must come. She's not going to make the day. So I drove through, closed the door, just chased everyone out of the house. I was quite adamant. Um, and I stood, I took her hand. I said, Oma, I know you can hear me. And then she shook her head. I said, Oma, today I'm not going to pray for your healing. Today I want to pray for your heart because there's a problem in your heart. You need to accept Jesus because he loves you. And he forgives anyone. Yeah? And I remember I said, Omar, do you want to accept Christ? Do you want to live for him? Because your life doesn't end now. It can start now. Because <laughs> we are eternal beings. And Omar shook her head and the tear was running down her left cheek here. And she just, just ran. The tears just ran. I said, Omar, will you pray? And I know you can't talk, but I, what I want you to do is just nod your head that you agree with the prayer. And we pray to pray, Father, forgive my sins. Jesus, come take control of my life. And Oma accepted Jesus. Oma stepped into a legacy. And when I said, Amen, Oma nodded her head. And then she died. I walked out of the room. I thought I was crazy. <laughs> because Oma's passed into eternity. And Oma's living with Jesus. Because she's an eternal being. And maybe she's messed up her whole life. And she was a good person. But she didn't know Jesus. See, I don't want to live in that place in my life. And come to the right end of my life. And she's with Christ. And God has forgiven her. It's amazing. But I want to urge you this morning, what legacy, spiritual legacy are, le are you leaving for your children's children? And how do you start? Live for God fully. Don't believe the lies of the devil. Break the lies over your family. Stand up for your family and stand for the truth. And say, for me, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's what Joshua said. And I want to leave us with that scripture, Joshua 24. Joshua took the whole nation in front of him. All his children's children were standing there at the end of his life, not at the beginning when all the promises were there, when all the great stuff. And then he said, today, choose life or death. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Not long after that, Joshua died. <laughs> because Joshua, his whole life, he lived to leave a legacy. And the people said, we want to serve God, Joshua, because we saw it in your life. That's the legacy we leave. Maybe you're a grandfather or a grandmother here. I love grannies that pray. I love grandfathers that pray. I just, your, your prayers are heard by God. Don't let go of the promises of God over your grandchildren. Don't let go of the things. Pray for them every day. Because why? You're leaving a spiritual legacy. Will you stand with me this morning? Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.